Well, last week we uh, began talking about renewing our mind, and we're going to continue in that theme today. And um, today we're going to talk a little bit more about why it's important uh, that we renew our mind and what we're renewing our mind from and to. We were in Colossians chapter 3 last week, which began, if you have been raised with Christ, then seek those things above where Christ is. And that spoke of and speaks of spiritual and eternal things. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned with things on the earth. We should be concerned with things on the earth, but in the right way, from the right perspective. We should be concerned with things on the earth because we live on the earth. Our work of ministry is here on the earth, but we're not of the earth. We are eternal in Christ. The earth and all around us is temporal. Only that which is of Christ will last eternally. And so that is the exhortation of the Apostle Paul, not to be irresponsible on the earth, but actually to be much more responsible by living with an eternal perspective. So today, as we talk about renewing your mind in Christ, we're going to talk about light and darkness. Light and darkness. And so we're going to begin in the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And let's look at the first three verses. Now as we... As we read this, I want to remind you that God has given us the Scripture and He has put everything in the Scripture to reveal something very specific to us. So the Scripture is full of what we call types and shadows. For instance, God had the children of Israel build a tabernacle, a tent of meeting it was called. And they carried it with them everywhere they went as they journeyed 40 years in the wilderness. That tabernacle was a real tabernacle. It was a real tent, but it was a type and a shadow. It existed. God had them build it, and, and, and he ordained it because it spoke of something. That tent is long gone. It's, it's decayed. It's done with. But what it represented, what it pictured for us, is eternal in the heavens. And so everything in the Scripture does this for us. So let's look at the first three verses of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now when it says darkness was on the face of the deep, I want you to understand this is total and complete darkness. There's not a sun, there's not a moon, there's no stars, no one's flicking their bick, no one is pulled out their little you know, flashlight. There is total and complete darkness. Or we could say it like this, there is the absence of light. So that's in the first creation. So we see in the old or in the natural creation, darkness is dispelled by light through the Spirit and the Word. The Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep. Then God said, let there be light. So there is the Spirit and there is the Word and darkness is dispelled by light. Now let's go into the New Testament, let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Now, if you're wondering what's the type and the shadow of the first or the natural creation, why did God say, let there be light? Well, because we need light, right? Well, yeah, we need light to see what we're doing. But 
there was a much greater and much deeper and a much more eternal reason why God had his spirit there and he spoke the word and dispelled darkness with light. We come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. We just read that in Genesis 1, 1 through 3. It is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure do we have? We are the earthen vessels. What is the treasure that we have in there? We have the light. We have Christ. Christ in you. The hope of glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So the darkness we read about in the Genesis account is only a type and a shadow of a much more severe condition. True darkness is the condition of the human soul that lives and thinks in the perfect absence of spiritual light and truth. One thing that the gospel does, well, the word gospel means good news, right? When is good news, when is good news good news to you? If it's all good, then is it good news? It's just, you know. Good news doesn't really become good news to you until you understand the bad news, right? And part of the gospel, part of what the gospel does, it reveals why we need good news. If we don't understand why we need good news, then the good news is really going to be pretty meaningless to us. And the Bible account starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Before God said anything, God reveals to us there is darkness. And there is the Spirit of God hovering, and then there is the Word of God creating. God speaks in the Spirit. I mean, you see the Spirit and the Word working together. We come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And Paul gives us the commentary on Genesis 1. He says, here's how you really need to understand what's going on here, Christian. Your heart, you are darkness. There is the total and complete absence of light in you. Until, just like in the first creation, in the natural creation, there is a total and complete absence of light until God says, until His Spirit moves and the Word comes and causes the darkness to be dispelled by the light. So the natural condition of the human heart and mind is much worse than ignorance. The Bible describes the condition of our heart as one of darkness Ephesians 5.8. We'll look at this a little more in depth in a little bit. And it also describes it as enmity in Romans 8.7. Enmity toward God. So our minds not only lack truth, they are naturally and actively hostile toward God. This is what the Bible teaches us. Now, we don't, we don't think of it that way. We think, you know, what our human condition, what our humanist wants to believe is we're all born basically good people, and we just need to bring the good out of people. The Bible teaches us the very opposite. The Bible teaches us that we're born with absolutely no good, and there is no good to bring out of us because there's nothing good in us. There's no light to bring out of us because there is nothing but the total and complete absence of light within our hearts, within our souls, and within our minds. This is why... We are helpless 
apart from Christ. This is why Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. He, 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 he absolutely meant what he said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Darkness, listen, darkness is the reality and the experience wherever light is not. Light is that which shows us what is real. How many of you can remember being afraid of the dark? How many of you can remember being in the dark and imagining what all is out there? I can remember being a kid. I grew up hunting and fishing, and, and uh, we, had a, we had a place that we hunted regularly when I was a kid. And I can remember the first time I went to the deer stand that seemed like, I'm sure it wasn't really that far, it seemed like it was miles from the camp. And, and I got to hunt there by myself. And I remember the first time I got to hunt there by myself, I wasn't very old. I was, I was a young teenager. And I had a rifle. And I knew how to use it. And I sit in the stand until dark because I just knew that big buck was going to walk out any time and I was going to get him. And I sat there so long that it just turned dark. Now I realize i got to walk back to the camp in the dark. I don't have a flashlight. I don't have a lantern. I don't have anything except my gun. So I'm walking through the woods, in the dark. And you just begin to imagine. You know, they say there used to be black panthers out here. I wonder if there's any out here right now. And you hear a noise, or you see something, and you think, what is that? Is that an animal? Is that? Then you think, I wonder if there's any Bigfoot around here. <laughs> and you're walking, you walk there in the daylight, and you don't think a thing about it. You see the trees and everything, you don't, but you walk back in the dark, and you can't see anything, and so your imagination begins to deceive you into thinking there are things there that are not there. What does the light do? The light shows us what is real. If, if, if we had a flashlight or the sun suddenly came out, we'd say, oh, that's just a tree. Oh, that's just a bush. Spiritual light shows us what is real and what is true. It shows us Christ because he is the light. So Christ came into a world of darkness as the only light. I just want to pray right now. Father, I pray that you would right now, God, open our hearts, and open our minds, open our eyes, God. Lord, whatever measure of blindness there may be, dimness of sight that we may have, Father, I pray that you would heal that, that you would open our eyes to see the light, that you would open our ears to hear, open our minds and our hearts to know your truth, your light, to know Christ, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, grant that to us today as we look into your word, as we proclaim the gospel today. God, change our hearts, we pray, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Christ came into a world of darkness as the only light. So Christ is the light that has come into the world. Turn over to the gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 1. John 1 1. Let me just begin in 1 1 and read with me. And, and we're going to, what we're looking at, we're going to look at verses 5 and 9 specifically. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. So remember that? We read Genesis 1, and it says, God said, Let there be light. Well, John tells us who, who that was. It was the. It was the Godhead. It was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When Genesis, I think, 128 or 126 says, let us make God in our image, that word, that us, it's plural. That Who is the us? It's not God and the angels. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
the Spirit is hovering, and the Word goes forth. Who is the Word? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Christ is the living Word. He is the one who created all things. Nothing was made without Him. In Him was life, and and the life was the light of men. And the light, look at this, verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. That word comprehend, that's what the King James says. You might have a translation that says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That is a more accurate understanding of what that word means. The darkness did not overcome the light. Why is it when we come into this building and the lights are off and it's dark and we flip the lights on that the darkness holds the light back? Because darkness doesn't hold back light. When God says, let there be light, I mean, when he flips the switch, I'm telling you what, darkness cannot overcome light. It can't do it. So Christ is the light that has come into the world. He is the true light. Verse 9, look at verse 9, John 1, 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Christ is the true light. He's the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Here's an amazing scripture, Isaiah chapter 24, verse 23. Let me read it to you. Do you know Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is like a mini Bible? It's like a mini Bible. And we get here in Isaiah chapter 24, verse 23. Here's an interesting verse. It says, Then the moon will be disgraced and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his elders gloriously. Christ is the light whose glory makes the moon disgraced and the sun ashamed. That is how glorious he is. Church, I want to tell you something. He is reigning right now. He is reigning right now. Isaiah wrote that over seven centuries before Christ was born. And that reality, that the light has come, the Lord reigning on Mount Zion, in all of His glory, He has put the sun to shame. He has disgraced the moon. His light is not waiting to shine. He is shining. The question is, can you see Him? Have you seen him? The world can't. Why? Because the world is trapped in utter darkness. So there's only one true light, that is Christ. And if we are not in Christ, then we are not in the light. That means if we're not in Christ, we are still in darkness. The good news is this, that God has made a way where there was no way. There was no way for you or for me to get out of Darkness, there was not. But God, here's the good news, God made a way where there was no way. And that way is Christ. So in our natural condition, or we could say it like this, in our first or our natural birth, how many of you have been born? She's not very mean of y'all. Well, how'd y'all get here? Oh, that's right. Somebody said, told me last time, the stork brought you, right? Now, we, we, all, we will all experience at least one birth. The question is, are you going to experience a second birth? There's not more than two births you can possibly experience, okay? If you're, if you're here breathing oxygen and your body is alive and you're sitting in that chair, that means you've been born. You've experienced one birth. Now, the real important question is, have you experienced the second birth? Or, as the Bible calls it, the new birth? Or, as Jesus referred to it, have you been born again? Because in your first birth, in your natural birth, you are darkness, period. You're not just in darkness. We're going to look at this in just a moment. The Bible says you are darkness. That's who you are. So in our natural condition, in our first birth, in our natural birth in Adam, remember Adam is ultimately our father in our first birth, we are separated from Christ in that natural condition of our first birth. 
Apart from Christ, Ephesians 5.8, apart from Christ, we are darkness. Ephesians 5.8 says, you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So apart from Christ, we are darkness, Ephesians 5.8. Apart from Christ, we are called sons of disobedience. We looked at this last week, Colossians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. When we are apart from Christ, apart from Christ, we are called sons of disobedience. We are called darkness. Apart from Christ, we are alienated and we are enemies of God. Colossians 1, 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Now I want you to, you should highlight that little phrase there, in your mind. We were real enemies. But Paul Paul says you are alienated enemies in your mind. He says that for a reason, because if you read closely his letter to the Colossians, you'll see that what Paul is praying and what Paul is writing about is that these believers who were once sons of disobedience, who were once darkness, who were once alienated in enemies, he's telling them, he's teaching them, you need to have your mind renewed. Not because you're still alienated in enemies, but, but in your mind you are. In your mind you were. And for some of you, you've been taken out of darkness and translated into light, but your mind is not comprehending that. For some of you here, you've been taken out of darkness and translated into the light, but perhaps your mind is not comprehending that. Perhaps you think you keep losing your salvation and getting it again. I need to recommit my life to Christ. That's great, but just understand this. You're not getting saved again. I need to get baptized again. It didn't work the first time. I mean, I don't want to be graphic here, but you understand that the New Testament comparison to um, uh, circumcision is the Old Testament sign of covenant. In the New Testament, in this letter to the Colossians, Paul compares circumcision with baptism. So baptism being the sign of the covenant. Well, under the old covenant, no son of Israel would come and say, you know, high priest, I think I need to get circumcised again. It didn't work the first time. Mm, No, we need to have a talk. You don't understand what's really happened here. So when people come and they've been baptized into Christ, and this happens a lot, they say, Pastor, I feel like I need to get baptized again because my, you know, I just... I just um, didn't really understand what happened the first time I got baptized. Well, that may be true. So the solution is not necessarily that you need to get baptized again. The solution is you need to begin to understand what that baptism represents. Now, if you are not baptized through Christian baptism, that's one thing. If you weren't baptized into Christ, that, that's, that's, that's a different story. But the point is, we are continuously growing up in the Lord. A child doesn't come to its parents and say, you know, I need to get born again because I just feel like I'm not growing fast enough. Can we do this again, see if it works better the second time? No, you just need to be patient and understand that People grow at different rates, mature at different rates. And and let me help you understand how this works. This is the process that we call renewing our mind. Okay? So there's only this one true light. His name is Jesus. And apart from him, the Bible says we're darkness, we're sons of disobedience, we're alienated, and we're enemies. When we are not in Christ. Now, this is why men love religion. Do you know that people who are truly, the, the, the percentage of people that are truly atheistic on earth is actually really a very small percentage? Even if people despise Christ and the scripture, the Bible, or the Christian religion, 
for many people, it's not that they're not spiritual, if we can use that word that way. I, that's really not even a, a good way to use it because if they were truly spiritual in the biblical sense, <laughs> they would love Jesus. But we say this, you know, we say, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Or you say, well, you know, I'm really religious, but I just don't believe the Bible. Or, you know, I just don't think Jesus is the only way. I just think he's one way. You know, I, I, I believe in all ways, and all paths lead to God. And so, you, if, especially living near Austin, you hear a lot of this spiritual buzz. You know, we used to call it back in the 80s the New Age movement. It's really nothing new about it. It's just, it's just the same old lies that the enemy brings. What I'm saying is there's not a lack of religion in the world, Right? There's all kinds of religions and belief systems that men have created. Why, why, do, why do you think that is? I believe it's because this love of religion or self-proclaimed spirituality, it, it allows us to sit in darkness and pretend to have the light. We make believe that we're in the light, but in reality, we're in darkness. Man creates religions, spiritual facades, and all sorts of methods that allow him to sit in darkness and make believe that he is in the light. And he makes himself feel good about being in the darkness. And he deceives himself into thinking that he is in the light. But the light in him is really darkness. Jesus uses that phrase in the Gospels. He said, if your eye is bad, your, your whole body is bad, and the light in you is really darkness. It's this deception that we live in. So, Christ is the only light. There is no other. And the good news is, Christ has taken us from darkness to light. Now, let's go to Colossians. I'm going to read a sizable chunk of Scripture here to you. Colossians chapter... One, let's begin in verse, verse 3. We'll, we'll forgo the uh, greetings and everything that Paul has there in the first couple of verses. Verse 3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word, I'm sorry, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you, look at this, since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. You should highlight, underline that those words, heard and knew. Verse 7, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to you, to, uh, declared, I'm sorry, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask, here's Paul's prayer, here's what he's asking, and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you see renewing of the mind in what he just is telling them he's praying for? That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to to the glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers. The Father who has qualified us to be partakers. You didn't qualify yourself. The Father qualified you. Who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us. He has. You did not deliver yourself. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Some of your verses there, some of your translation says, and has translated us. 
I mean, it's kind of like, this is like Star Trek. I mean, beam me up, Jesus. I was in darkness, and God translated me from darkness to light. He conveyed me, took me from darkness to light. I once was darkness, but now I am light in the Lord. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So Christ has taken us from darkness to light. We once were darkness, but now in Christ we are light in the Lord. We've been delivered from the power of darkness, Colossians 1.13. So the gospel declares to us now in Christ. Remember, apart from Christ, we were darkness We were sons of disobedience. We were enemies and alienated from God. But the good news is, now in Christ, though you were once darkness, we are now light in the Lord, Ephesians 5.8. Though you once were children of disobedience, now in Christ we are children of light or we are sons of God. Though you once were darkness, though you once were alienated and enemies, we are now brought near by the blood of Jesus, Ephesians 2.13. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says that we are now ambassadors for Christ. We were God's enemy. Now we're his ambassador. We were fighting against God. Now we are working in him. That's good news, church. The Father made you a partaker in that. The Son translated you from darkness into light. He did that by His grace. So like like natural light and darkness, Adam and Christ can never mix. The presence of one dispels the other. This is exactly why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You are of Adam in your first birth. You are darkness, Nicodemus. The only hope you have of even seeing. How do you see? What enables us to see? Light enables you to see. You can't even see the kingdom. Why? Because you are darkness. You are totally and completely sucked up and held captive. You are totally void of any light. You can't even see because there is no light in you. Until you are born again from above, from the Spirit, translated from darkness into light, not only will you see the kingdom, you will become a child of light. So apart from Christ, listen, I'm not a good man struggling with darkness. Apart from Christ, I'm darkness pretending to be a good man. Jesus said in Luke 18, 19, no one is good but one, and that is God. So we must understand that the only goodness we have is the goodness of Christ that is imputed or imparted to us. He alone is good, but in His saving grace, He counts us good in Him. Hallelujah. That's good news. So we, therefore, need to understand that God has taken us from darkness to light. You need to understand that in spite of the fact that you don't always think like light. You don't always act like light. You don't always talk like light. Right? You don't always behave like a child of light. Don't tell me you do because I know you don't. I don't either. But that doesn't change the reality that I have been translated out of darkness and into light. So it's not that my reality is not reality. It's that my mind needs to be renewed to this reality that I once was darkness, but now I'm light. I had no goodness in me. I still don't, except that now God in Christ has given me his goodness. So I'm not boasting about my goodness. I'm boasting in Christ because he alone is good. So our mind needs to be renewed to this reality. And we need to walk as a child of light. In order to walk as a child of light, I need to see myself. I need to understand that that is who I am in Christ. Our old mind, or as Paul refers to it in his letter here. Let's see if I can find this. Um, In Colossians chapter 2, I might not have that for you, Joy Ellen. Colossians 2, 18. Paul, Paul writes this to the believers here. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, 
intruding into those things which he has not seen. Why can't he see it? Because there's no light. He has no light to be able to see it. Intruding into things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. All these people that think they're so spiritual apart from Christ, all they are is blind and vainly puffed up in their fleshly minds. They need the light. They need Christ so that they can truly see. So this is our old mind. It's the fleshly, the carnal mind. And our old mind is not only lacking truth, but it's, remember, it's actively hostile toward God. Romans 8, 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. In other words, Paul says your carnal mind, your fleshly mind, not only is it not subject to the will of God, to the, to the law of God, it's not subject to God. Not only does it not want to be subject to God, he says it cannot be subject to God. Why? Because by the very nature of what it is, it cannot be. So our carnal mind is not only unwilling, it is unable to be subject to God. The solution to this problem is that we be born again of the Spirit and have our mind renewed according to light and truth in Christ. So the unwillingness and the inability of our carnal mind is true whether we know it or not. It's true whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not. But I'm trying really hard, Pastor Jeff. To be, I met a guy um, Friday. He actually was a pastor. And I just happened to be somewhere. It was a chance meeting. Or maybe it wasn't a chance meeting, right? Uh, and I was standing in this place. And this guy walks in. And uh, they, they introduced me to him as pastor so-and-so. And when he walked in, before we were introduced, the first thing he said, the person there said, hey, how are you doing? He said, just trying to be good, just trying to be good. I'm just trying to be good, like Jesus. And when, when I heard those words, just something on the inside of me just went, oh, no. It's like, sir, you are in such bondage. If you're walking around just trying to be good, do you understand the bondage you're under? Because, you know, you can't do that in your own power. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't desire to be like Christ. We should. If we have become partakers of his nature, if we've been born again and he lives on the inside of us, we should have a desire to be like him more and more and more, to walk like him, to talk like him, to think like him, to be like him in every way possible. But we also, at the same time, need to understand that in my humanness, in my flesh, in my human will, I can't do that apart from the grace of God, apart from the Spirit of God and the Word of God working in me. And the only goodness that I will ever attain to is not my own goodness that I'm trying to be. It is the goodness God gives to me in His grace. He is good. But a lot of people walk around with that mentality. They're just trying to be good. They're just trying to be better for God, hoping that God will accept them, hoping that one day when they stand before him, God will let them in. Hopefully my good outweighs my bad. Have you ever heard that? I'm just hoping my good outweighs my bad. Well, it doesn't work that way. You don't have enough good to even... I mean, it's like we read this the other day. I can't remember what it was in the Old Testament in Isaiah, I think. Your good is like dust on the scales. It won't even move the scale. <laughs> In other words, you don't have any goodness to even make the scale move. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. The, the unwillingness, the inability of our mind is real. Therefore, we must not only hear, but we must know the grace of God in truth. This is why Jesus said, as he spoke, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. It wasn't that part of the crowd was deaf and part of them were hearing. 
They could all naturally hear. The question is, could they, could they hear spiritually? Was what they were hearing when they heard Jesus, when they heard the gospel, did they do more than just hear it with natural eardrums? Was it something they heard and then came to know? Was there a knowing? Is Jesus a name you have heard or have you come to know him? And if you have come to know him by grace through faith, then the work of the Spirit in you is now conforming you and growing you in that knowledge. If he has taken you from darkness to light, he is renewing your mind. By God's grace in Christ, we hear and we know the grace of God in truth. We hear and we know and we continue to hear and we continue to grow in the knowledge of God. This is the work of grace through His Spirit. This is why God gave you His Spirit. So that you could continue to grow in knowing or grow in the knowledge of God. So in Christ we died, we were raised, and we are alive. In Christ, we've been transformed from an old creation to a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Listen, you've come into a new creation in more ways than you realize. I mean, this isn't just God causing light to shine in the darkness out here. God has caused light to shine in your dark heart, your heart that was totally and completely void of any light. It was God who spoke as the Spirit hovered and dispelled the darkness out of your heart and brought you into light and turned you into light. Now we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is that? That there is really light in you. This is why we need to let our light shine. Listen, as people see the fruit of the Spirit in our life, as they see us sounding like Christ, walking like Christ, manifesting the life in Christ, we are proving that good and acceptable will of God. It was the will of God that caused light to shine in your heart. Now your life, your walking and your talking, everything you do is an expression of that. Prove that out. Don't point them to the jar of clay. Point them to the excellency of the power, the treasure that is within you, that is Christ. So ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that turns darkness into light and renews our mind. Though He is in no way, listen, He is in no way depending on you or me to get that job done. But he does not, listen, he does not do it apart from our participation. Whether our participation is willing or unwilling, knowing or unknown. Known or unknown. Do you understand that? That God works in your life in unknown ways all the time. You think you're just going along in life and something happens to happen to you or you stumble into this or you stumble upon that or you meet this person, you go to this place, maybe, some, uh, maybe something really hard happens to you. Maybe you have an accident. Maybe you have a, you know, an unexpected mishap in your life that creates great hardship. Listen, whether you know it or not, God is working in and through all of those things. He is working in us and through us, through our willing and unwilling participation, through our known and unknown participation. This is why the Bible says, in all things, give thanks. Because we never have to wonder if God is working. In all things, rejoice. Why? Because we never have to wonder what God's up to. Listen, God is up to our good. That's what he's up to. He changes and He transforms us by His grace. So we should seek those things above where Christ is. And as we do, we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God who works in us both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying save yourself because you can't save yourself. He's saying, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God 
who is working in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So here are some ways that that we are to do this. Or I should say it like this. Here are here are some ways that, that this takes place and it transpires in our life. You're never going to renew your mind apart from the reading and meditating and submitting in the Scripture. We need to be submitted to the Word of God. Well, to know what we're submitted to, we're going to need to read and meditate in the Scripture. We need to pray and reflect with God. I visited an elderly gentleman the other day, and he just began to weep, and he said, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to pray. He was talking to me. I said, well, you know how to talk to me. I said, just talk to God like you're talking to me. One of the ways that our minds are renewed and we experience that renewal and that transformation is through prayer in reflection with God. We experience it by embracing God's work in the bitter and the sweet of life's circumstances. Listen, when life becomes bitter, don't run from God. Run to God. Don't turn away from God. This is when you really need to set your eyes on things above where Christ is. And understand that God is working in every situation, the bitter and the sweet. We do it by walking in the valley of shadow. And we do it by walking on the mountaintop where there's utter clarity. When you're walking in life and it seems dark and dim and you, don't, you can't discern really what's going on, trust God. He is leading you through the valley of shadow. When you're on the mountaintop and you have that crystal clear clarity and the air is fresh and clean and the sun is bright and you can see it seems a million miles, just understand that God has led you there, but that's not where we live. So we trust Him, whether we're in the valley of shadow or whether we're on the mountaintop. And we should always know that in all things, God is working and bringing us to conformity to the image of the Son of God. Renewing your mind in Christ does not give you more of God, does not give you more of His Spirit, does not give you more of His love. It does not do that. Renewing our mind reveals His grace toward us. It reveals the ongoing work of His Spirit conforming us to Christ. Renewing our mind is making known to us His peace and giving us His joy and comfort as we come to know and comprehend more fully all that He has already freely given us in Christ. We're not lacking anything except comprehension. Renewing your mind begins to reveal to you what you have already been freely given through the fullness of Christ in you. He does that by grace. Amen? The Father ordained our salvation. The Son secures our salvation. The Spirit applies our salvation. Father chose us, the Son redeems us, the Spirit regenerates us and seals us. That seal, the Bible says, is a guarantee. This is why we need to eliminate from our mind this concept that I'm moving in and out of salvation based on how well I'm man- able to manage my sinfulness. That is a totally and complete unbiblical doctrine. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. That seal of the Spirit is eternal. It cannot be broken. It cannot be lost because it's not ours. It's His eternally in Christ. And we are sealed and protected and sheltered in that. Our life is hid with God in Christ. Amen.
God saves and renews sinners by His grace alone and for His glory alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? Let's all stand. Renewing your mind is a lifelong process. It's not going to happen because you come to church every Sunday, though you should come to church. And you should fellowship. And you should encourage one another. Because this is exactly why we come together. This is exactly one of the reasons we come together. Because some of us are in different places. Some of us are more mature, more knowledgeable. That doesn't make us better. That doesn't make us loved by God more. It just means that we're in a place. It's like, it's like, a, it's like two siblings. Yeah, I've got an older brother and a younger brother. The older brother might know how to ride a bike now. And he can help his little brother who doesn't know how to ride yet. Dad's been out there teaching him how to ride. Maybe brother comes alongside, let me help you. Hopefully that's what happens. Sometimes, you know, brother comes and pushes him over, but that's not the way it's supposed to be, right? That's the way it's in church sometimes. You know, instead of helping our brother, we kind of stick our foot out and trip him. (laughs) No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We come together to encourage one another, provoke one another to love and good works, to see that brother or that sister who has become downcast and, and take them by the hand and help them up. And, and say to them, I will walk with you as we walk together in him by faith in the grace of God. Father, I pray that you would truly, God, open our hearts and our minds, our eyes and our ears to see and to know, to hear and to know the grace of God in truth. That God, you would deliver us from man-made theologies that are unbiblical Lord, that just feed our flesh and our sinful nature. Lord, that wants to live out of the knowledge of good and evil instead of living out of the knowledge of God who is our salvation. God, deliver us from those foolish belief systems. Lord, that make us believe that it's something that we're going to do. That Jesus is just simply my co-pilot. I'm driving this thing. God, let your gospel reveal our utter hopelessness and helplessness apart from you. That you're not a co-pilot. You're not, a, you're not just someone who watches over us from a distance and in, intervenes when we're just on the brink of disaster. Lord, we are in you. We live and move and have our very being in you. Lord, if we're not in you, we have no life. If we're not in you, God, we are in total darkness. Lord, we thank you that you have, by grace in Christ Jesus, delivered us from darkness, taken us from death to life, from darkness to light. That, God, you did that. You, Father, made us partakers. You qualified us. Jesus, you redeemed us. Spirit of God, you transformed us and regenerated us and made that which was dead alive and made that which was darkness light. We thank you for that, God. And I pray, God, that you would open our hearts and minds and our eyes and our ears to see and to know this truth, that it would, Lord, truly transform us. And it would be for your glory, God. Let your church bring you glory in the earth. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth. That we would no longer think and live as children who are darkness. Help us, God, to walk as children of light. Bringing glory and honor to your name. Experiencing the fullness of your joy and peace forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.